Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. I am Krista Williams and I'm so grateful you're here. Um, If you're new, Almost 30 started when my best friend Lindsay and I were transitioning from our 20s to our 30s. We felt super lost. We felt like we wanted more answers. We wanted more support in our evolution and especially our spiritual and wellness evolution. And so we started the show and community to support ourselves and then hopefully support you all in the process. We have over 500 episodes of support for you in our catalog, almost30.com for everything. We have courses and programs, yada, 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 internet world, blah, blah, blah. But I'm truly, really honored that you're here. It's a very special experience and moment for me. If you don't know, so I just recently did a darkness retreat. So if you don't know me, it might not be as like helpful because you might not understand sort of how I work and how I move in the world, but I'm someone that loves to try things. I'm someone that is an explorer on earth, starseed alien being, and just really loves to see what is possible for me, what is possible for others, and really how I can how I can grow. I am someone that is deeply interested in growth. Um, I'm deeply interested in knowing myself in the deepest way, and I'm not afraid of a lot of things. This one, the darkness retreat, I have to say, I was afraid. (laughs) So I've done um, ayahuasca experiences in the past. I've done group therapy experiences in the past. I've done vipassanas. I've backpacked in Patagonia for over a month, you know, in a canoe. I've just, I've done some things. But this one was truly the scariest for me because it feels like it's the most psychological. So I just got back yesterday. So I'm super raw and juicy and open. Um, I have not stopped crying. (laughs) I am really, really um, tender. I'm really, really tender. The episode earlier this week with Scott from Sky Cave Retreats, we talk a lot about the history of darkness retreats, why someone would do them, general experiences that people have, and sort of the logistics. I'll talk a little bit about my logistics for my experience, but I definitely recommend listening to that first one because that will give you a really good understanding of the history and sort of the general foundational understanding of a darkness retreat. But a darkness retreat is basically the removal of all light and anything sensory, any human contact, any caffeine, any technology, and any light for a certain period of time. Whether that is three days, whether that is 40 days, you are basically in a pitch black room or space for the entire duration of the time in darkness. So just you, the darkness, and that's it. There is nothing else. There was a lot of questions that I got from people that were asking about food and sort of how the day flow went, which I want to talk about. But my intention for doing something like this was a few things. So I'm someone that's deeply caring of what people think of me, (laughs) if I'm honest. And I'm someone that is deeply in reaction to my environment and relationships and the world. So someone that is deeply sensitive, you know, I'm such a deeply sensitive person. I'm an empath. I'm someone that is very codependent at times. So for me, I can be so concerned about other people's experiences that I don't even know what's happening for me. I often have the experience of being with people and I'll be asking them questions and engaged in conversation. And then they'll ask me a question about me and I'll be like, 
I'll forget that I'm there. I'll be like, wait, what? Like me? (laughs) And it seems weird because I'm someone that has a podcast and a platform and I'm talking and all of that. But if you are in conversation or with me, it's really interesting. I can continue to put it back on other people and put the shine, the light and the focus on others. And I can really be so concerned about other people's experiences that I often forget about my own. So I wanted to really think about that. I wanted to really work with that. I want to be in more reciprocal relationships. You know, I want to really allow people to know me and to see me. And one of my dear friends told me, she's like, you give so much, it's like it creates a wall. She's like, so the amount of giving that you're doing is so much energy out that it sometimes creates a wall and it's really hard to get in. And... I think that's completely true. I've had people reflect back to me many times. You know, it gets hard to get past a certain point with you and really get in to know you on a deeper level because you can continue to put it on me and continue to turn it back and focus on the other person so much so that you can protect yourself from intimacy. And there's also an element of control there. So if I'm controlling by asking questions and engaging people in dialogue, then I'm essentially controlling the conversation or the experience that people are having. And I'm making sure it's not about me at all. So I wanted to really look at that. And I wanted to really have a moment and be like, what do I think? How do I feel without any other sensory input? So if we think in life, even when we're alone at home, We are still in reaction to the temperature, if we have pets, our phone, technology, our food, caffeine, the noise of our neighbors, the weather, our boss, say we work from home, our friends, our family, our community, the media. There is so much that we're constantly in engagement with in the world. If we think about our being and just all the energy that is siphoned or the energy that we share with others or the way that we're constantly in reaction to life, it is exhausting. And there is a lot that can tamper with and can affect our mood and responses and thoughts and feelings. Say you live in a home that you don't really feel comfortable in. That is going to affect how you feel about your relationships, how you feel about your work, how you feel about your body, because we've got that root chakra going on. So there's so much in life to be consistently in in reaction to. And I wanted to give myself the opportunity to pull all of that away and just be with me and to just be with my essence, my soul, and the self beyond the body. So when you're in these darkness experiences, it is the pitchest black that is possible. So not only at Sky Cave retreats in Oregon, or if you do a a darkness retreat someplace else, are you off grid? You know, where I was staying, there was no Wi-Fi, completely dirt roads for miles to get there. So there's no EMFs, there's no 5G, there's no technology really nearby. So you have that, and then you're in a cabin. And then, you know, you're in complete darkness. So there's just this pitch blackness that is really hard to get living in a city. You know, light pollution makes it so hard to see the stars when you're living in Los Angeles or New York City or Chicago or some of these really bigger cities. So to have the opportunity to engage with pitch blackness where I couldn't even see my 
hand. You know, I would bring my hand as close as I could in front of me, and I could not even see my fingers. So you have this reorienting of your body, and you have this reorienting of your mind, because it's almost like you're breaking apart the barrier between your mind, body, and soul because you can't even see your body. It's only really your mind and soul there, but you can feel, you know, your body in a lot of these situations and circumstances, but having the experience of not being able to physically look at it or see it, there was no mirrors, obviously. So not see anything for days was like very liberating, to be honest. You know, it was actually really, really beautiful to be with my body in a way that was in no way, shape or form physical. I'm someone that is super grateful for my body journey. I've talked a lot about it with so many of you um, on many solo episodes, and we'll link those in the show notes. But to be someone that has struggled with the relationship with my body for so long and feel liberated that it's like, whoa, it is not about the body physical experience really at all, unless it is priming and warming my body up to release and to feel and to experience and not be... What am I wearing? What am I working out? How many steps am I taking? What am I eating? How many calories? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that whole cycle was really removed from me. So there was a freedom and liberation there. So the first intention I had was to really get to know my thoughts, feelings, and experience. And then the second intention that I had was to really give my, myself a space to feel. For months and maybe even years, I've said out loud, I really need like three days to just feel, to just let it all in. And I'm a Pisces sun. I'm super watery. I'm so deeply emotional. I have this like oceanic well of feeling within me. So to really give myself the space to feel because this could be the same experience that you potentially are having, but I would have this experience quite often where I would see a photo of an animal online that needed to be adopted <laughs> or was lost or you know was in pain or something and i would have this devastation feeling for a few seconds and then sort of be like nope we're not going to feel it and then for the next hour or day even i would ruminate and think about this experience of this animal this pain that it was going through or all of these various things that you see online or see things that happen if it's um, someone you know that's struggling if you can really tap into like the grief and pain of the world it feels never ending and for me that's always felt this way it's always felt never ending and it's always felt like i could never get to the bottom of my grief and my pain and this is something that's been part of my experience for a long time since I was very young. Being super sensitive is this feeling of trigger warning, <laughs> of wanting to die, you know, of wanting to not be here and not be on earth because it felt not fair. It felt so painful. And I get emotional thinking about it, but there is a depth of pain and grief that I feel like I can tap into that for me I realized was so deep and something I had avoided for so long that I wanted to die instead of feeling it. That I would just be like, wow, this suicidal ideation. And that's been around all my life. It's something I've experienced within family and so sort of part of my makeup. But it's the feeling of, wow, I would rather not be here than to really think about how much pain people go through on a daily basis and how hard life could be and how hard life could be for the animals and the plants and the children and the babies and the mothers and the fathers and 
There is so much there. I talk a lot about The Law of One, which is my favorite books, and the concept of unity consciousness and all is one. And it is such a powerful teaching. And then you're in the experience of the human part of pain, and you're like, God wants this? How? You know, how could God want this? How is this part of God's plan? And sometimes I'm like, is this a sick joke to you? (laughs) Is this fun for you, God? And really in the human experience of how deeply I can feel and how deep the pain is from all that I've been through and all of the trauma and all of the experiences and all of the things, you know, there's so many layers to it. I've done a lot of work in therapy and different types of modalities, but you know, there's still more. And I don't know if I'll ever get to the bottom of it, but my desire was to allow myself to feel, allow it to all come up and allow myself to grieve, allow myself to feel any shame or guilt um, or emotion, you know, that had been stuck and that had been in my body. So I have these two intentions. And the experience actually happened in a really beautiful way of being invited to Sky Cave. We had done the interview with Aubrey Marcus, super powerful interview with Blue as well. And they had both done the darkness retreat. And what I love about Aubrey is he's someone that has and wears his heart on his sleeve. It is like the most beautiful thing to be with a man that is so incredibly in tune to the presence of what he's going through and the presence of his experience that it's just this like open-heartedness that's just so, you know, magnetic and his darkness retreat was so powerful in seeing the documentary. And so I said to God, I'm like, you know, God, if this is something that you want me to do, if this is part of your will, make it happen. And that next day, Scott emailed and said, I'd love to have you at the retreat center, you know, and come out. And I'm like, you know what, let's do this. So scheduled the retreat, ended up scheduling it and booking it when Aaron Alexander and Hannah Eden was going. So we went in a group, which was one of the best parts of the entire experience, which I'll talk about later. But we all scheduled to go during this November time. So we put it on the calendar. In preparation for it, I didn't really want to talk about it a lot because I felt like when I started to talk about it with people, I would kind of share, you know, I'm doing this thing. There was so much projection of people's fear, obviously, and their thoughts. Like, you know, I'd be with friends and they'd be like, oh my God, I'm so claustrophobic. How do you do that? And I'm like, I'm so claustrophobic too. (laughs) And they'd be like, I'm so scared of the dark. I'm like, I'm scared of the dark too. (laughs) And it would just, they'd be like, I'm scared to be alone with my thoughts. I'm like, I can be scared to be alone with my thoughts too. And it would just build up this fear for me. And I'm like, you know what? This is my experience. I don't want to have anyone else's thoughts on this experience sort of percolating. So I didn't even watch anything about anyone that had done retreats because I felt like it would taint sort of what I was going in for. So we ended up scheduling it and making it happen. So I arrived on Wednesday and was able to hang out with Aaron and Hannah before, which was really beautiful. So I had a day with them before they went in. So they did four days, five nights. I did three days, four nights. So I'm way bigger of a pussy than them. (laughs) Honestly, the whole time, the extra day, man, I don't bless, bless their extra day, bless their extra day. So we had time together to drop in, to really just be on the land, to get comfortable, to do a sauna, to talk about our intentions and be together um, and have dinner. 
we also were able to have a session with Adrian, who's this really powerful healer on site. So I was able to t- tap in with her and really um, open up and talk about sort of my intention for being there and, and really just see and be confronted with what I was really working with. Because what will happen for me personally when I'm with healers or people that are intuitive or mediums or psychics or people with gifts in the way that she has is, and I know that I have to share, I get so nervous. I get so scared because I know that I need to share something intimately or I need to open up or I need to have it be about me. And so I'll like cramp up, my throat will close and I will just be so on edge in my nervous system. So I was able to work with Adrian on really tuning into that. Like what is that part of me that really feels scared to let people in or say the truth or even be in an intimate space together. You know, we were sitting close to one another and it was actually too much for my nervous system to have someone be really that close to me and sharing openly. So she had to almost move back when we were talking. So it really set me up to understand and look at the places where I have fears and where my nervous system is super locked in this process of um, not having it be able to be about me or not having it be able to be something where I'm sharing openly and honestly my truth. Um, and I have this really open throat chakra. So we worked together on the first day, super emotional, crying already, all of the things and getting clear about the relationship between my nervous system and my body. And this experience was really powerful and helpful because I was then able to understand an important part of my process in there, which was the cyclical nature of it all. So I'll talk about each of the days, but what I want to say about that healing experience with Adrian was not only really confronted with what are the issues or things I really need to work on, but also how my nervous system responds to people, you know, when they're in intimate situations with me where I'm having to share my truth or share my heart or speak how important it was through my process to be mindful of my nervous system. So in the three days and four nights that I was in, there was this pattern to my healing and to my journey where I would have a lot of bodywork moments. So I would do bodywork so many, I mean, you guys, oh my God. There's a foam roller in there. I bought a excerpt, I brought like a massage ball and then a yoga mat. I would be doing bodywork for I have no idea about time. You don't really understand time. I'd be doing body work for maybe five hours a day, at no minimum five hours a day. But it was the most beautiful thing, just like talking to my body, not physically seeing it, but feeling it and being in conversation with it and giving it the space and the grace, like all of the time in the world to like open up my right butt cheek, (laughs) which is always tense. So like giving my body the time with the foam roller and tools to open up so that I could really allow the feelings to come and allow the muscles to unclench, allow them to soften, allow them to melt, so that I could really allow any energy or any thing that had been stuck within my body, you know, The Body Keeps the Score, such a powerful book, um, the concept of all the trauma experiences, emotions really being stuck in the cells and tissue. So If we think about, you know, me looking at Twitter and seeing a lost animal or an animal that's in pain, my brain is like, oh my God, this is terrible. I don't want to feel this. And it's like keeping it in the head. And because I'm not going all the way in, allowing it to be felt for 90 seconds and then leave, it's getting stuck, you know, in the cells and tissues to be felt later. It's funny because if we think about laughing, you know, the process of laughter 
is so beautiful. It's this beautiful release and experience that we have that's positive, but we are having such an overjoy that we're allowing ourselves to fully feel within our body and then release this feeling of joy. But on the other hand, because we're so afraid to feel fear and pain and guilt and shame and grief, we have, oh, the thought, oh my gosh, it's almost there. Nope, can't feel it. Need to go in the head, need to look at the phone, need to eat, need to move on. So we have this emotion that's stuck within the body. So within my process, the beginning of my really feeling and processing that I think would be helpful for you if you're wanting to work with your emotions in your body in in a way that's going to be supportive for you is opening up the body at first. So it might be a lot for someone to be like, you know, I'm going to feel the grief of my mother's passing or, you know, a relationship ending or the loss of a loved one or, you know, an old version of me to rather than go and force yourself really into this process of like, feel the feelings, I've got to feel. Sometimes we can get scared. Sometimes aspects of us cannot really allow it to happen as easily. So to really just get in a space of body work and really working with the body to open up and soften can be really powerful. So I found myself in the first beginning stages of my process of feeling and being with myself to do a lot of body work. And then I would almost hear my soul moving me to the next step which would be almost out of body, having this soul-led experience of my soul being like, oh, it's time. It's time to bring up this, this feeling. And I found myself at the beginning stages of my process, probably the first and second day, only being able to feel pain and grief for others. I found myself moaning, crying, I'm sorry. You know, just really thinking about all of the pain that I've caused others in my life. If you are a self-aware, engaged person with your life and your relationships, you've caused a lot of people a lot of pain. And a lot of that happened before I was conscious and before I was aware. But even being someone that's just so dedicated to my path has been painful for a lot of relationships in my life because... I have to stay on mission. Growth and spirituality and community and my values are so important that those get precedence over some relationships. So really being sorry and in grief and in pain for others. And that was sort of my gateway to get deeper to things that were feeling pertinent for me. So as someone that feels so much for others, it was actually really hard for me to be like, I feel bad for myself, (laughs) for emotional neglect or for the times that I've been lied to or the times that I've had information withheld or emotions withheld or love withheld from me or the times I've had traumatic experiences, you know, it's hard for me to recall and pull up those, but it was a lot easier for me to move to others' feelings and emotions and feeling bad for them, feeling shame or guilt from me feeling shame or guilt. So I would have that experience of moving through those emotions and a lot of it was physical. It was like me doubled over, me in my bed, on my knees, me um, punching and kicking pillows with rage, having a lot of rage come up and not even knowing why and just being with it, just being like, what is this? I don't know. I don't care. It's something that is in me cellularly. It needs to get out. And so I would feel that feeling and emotion. And then what was really important for me was allowing like a soothing period And the soothing periods after the emotional release would be eating warm soup um, or drinking warm tea or taking a warm bath or resting. And if I wasn't doing one of the soothing things, it would be rest. It would be the bed that was super helpful for me, that was super important for the process. 
And after that would be maybe joy. Maybe I'm moving my body again. Maybe I'm just kind of um, laughing. Maybe I have more freedom or of expression. But I would really go through those cycles of emotions and experience for almost the whole time. So if you are looking to provide yourself with an experience where you can allow things to come up, create a lot of space, create a lot of time, create like a container for yourself to really go there, turn off your phone, turn everything off. I'll let everyone know what you're doing and have it be a process where you're having your body involved and you're giving yourself soothing after and you're allowing it to be cyclical. Can't be crying forever. You know, we can't be in this moment of grief forever, which is a beautiful thing. So allowing yourself to move through that process. But each of the days in the darkness had my own experience. So from a logistical perspective, what it looks like is that there is these beautiful cabin caves in Oregon, you know, that are basically in the middle of nowhere off grid and they've been built by Scott and the team and they're really beautiful. I had this beautiful experience of going into the cave that Layla Martin had been in previously. So Layla, um, who does a lot of sexuality work, sacred sexuality work, was in the room before me. So, you know, came into this beautiful space of that energy. And in my room, there was two spaces in the cabin. So there's one that is for the light and one that is for the dark. And the light space has, you know, you can cook, you can have a fridge, there's a couch, there's the fire, all of these things. And then there's the dark space. So the dark space was where I was for the majority of the time, except for the days where I was integrating after and then preparing before I could be in both of the spaces for food. Because I knew a lot of people were asking, they're like, are you eating? Are you not? And it's weird because you kind of think like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking go there and fast and not eat. And it's like, hey, man, just let yourself soothe with some food and let yourself be present with the act of like nourishing your body and like loving your body in this way after doing really fucking hard work. So fasting isn't something that's recommended or people really do. There was this box between the rooms. So between the light room and the dark room was this box that had a door on each side. So food would be left in this box uh, by Scott. And then I'd be able to open the door on my side in the dark. So there wasn't any light that would come through between the two boxes because he would put it in close his door. I would open up my door. The food would be delivered once a day. It was peanut butter and jelly in the morning for breakfast, which was the fucking best thing ever. Highly recommend just loving your inner child to death and having a peanut butter and jelly every day. An apple, a banana, olives, some eggs, a salad, soup, tea, some nuts, and a chia seed pudding. So I was like, good. It was feeling great. I was really nervous at first because I'm such an eater that I was like, dang, I don't know. Especially being locked in a room, I'm like, I'm going to be fucking eating all day. I didn't really know what the deal with food was, but when you're in there, it's like you're not – it's so weird how less focused I was on food. I think because I'm trying to ground myself so much living in the city, I'm trying to soothe myself so much, and I'm just like, ah, you know, just in this process of an empath trying to really feel and ground and protect where I'm often overeating – moving to the space where I was like not finishing food and I was just eating intuitively and I felt like I would eat as much as I needed and that was pretty much it. But the food would be in between the the door and I would just eat it whenever I felt like it. So I had no concept of time. There's no idea of what time it is. You're just kind of free flowing. You're like, when am I hungry? So it was actually really beautiful to be even more intuitive with my eating and nutrition than I have been in so long and eat when I was hungry. And as an example, the first day I slept a lot because your melatonin is being overproduced by your pineal gland because our melatonin is created when we are light removed. Um, So that's why it's so important that you don't look at your phone at night or you aren't around artificial lighting in the late evenings because it hinders your melatonin production from a hormonal standpoint. 
when you're in darkness all the time, you have this experience where you have so much melatonin being produced from your pineal gland that, um, or pineal gland, I don't know how you guys say it, maybe that's Ohio thing, <laughs> that you are sleeping quite a bit and you're sort of really disrupting your circadian rhythm and your natural sleep cycle. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, if you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. <laughs> Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, uh, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, so let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, so I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L3 and 8. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I 
actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. So the first day you're sleeping quite a bit. So the food is kind of, you know, secondary. You're not really hungry. You're not really interested. You're kind of just getting your footing. So for me, day one was a lot of sleep. Starting my darkness the night before, went to bed around 8 p.m. I knew time then because I went into the darkness. And then in the morning, who knows when I woke up, but I think I slept for most parts of the day. The way that I could understand any sort of semblance of time was when Scott would come. So he would come, set the fire in the morning and say hi, and then redo the fire in the evening because there's no heat. So we were heated by the fire. Um, The fire was visible to the light side of the room, but not on the dark side, obviously. But we needed the fire for the warmth. And then he would check in on us. So that was really when you had any human contact or any processing contact with anyone during those times. He would talk to you on the other side of the door and you might have a semblance of time. So you're like, okay, he's come this time. This must mean it's morning. He's coming this time. It it must mean it's night. But there was something hilarious on the first day. I was like totally fine because I had slept the whole day pretty much and I was in and out of sleep. I just felt really exhausted. It was actually really beautiful to rest. Um, One of his advice, pieces of advice was like, just rest. I was like, yeah, (laughs) resting I can do. So I was like, okay, because, you know, everyone's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do all these crazy things. I'm going to whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, resting. That's great. I can rest. Let's rest. Let's sleep. Let's do that. I'm enjoying that. So the first day I really focused on rest, but I had been resting all day. So Scott comes in the evening and I'm like pretty much sleeping. I'm like in and out of this sleep. And I'm like, oh my God, he comes. He's like, hey, Krista, I'm like pissed because it really just starts this anxiety in me where I'm like, fuck, I am so scared right now. I've been in the dark all day. I feel so exhausted. I feel scared, to be honest. I don't know how I'm going to do this for the rest of the time. And I don't know why I'm here. You know, there's that part of me that's like, why the fuck am I here? Like, what am I doing? What is this? So I'm giving myself permission to be in a true dialogue with him and say, I don't know why I'm here. This is the first day. I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know if I'm here for you. I don't know if I'm here for me. I don't know if I'm doing this for other people because I want them to think I'm spiritual or they think I'm cool or I don't know if I'm doing this for the reaction or like the story or what, but I don't know why I'm here. And I'm tweaking. I am. My heart is pumping. I'm just so nervous. And he's just like, this is all valid and this is all good. And these are really good things to think about. And it's like giving yourself permission to be like, hey, that thought or that emotion and that experience, that's totally normal. Permission granted, feel the feelings. You could be here for other people. What's that? What's that about? You could be here for yourself. What's that about? And at the end of our conversation, he was probably with me talking for 30 minutes and I'm just fucking going in. I'm like, maybe this is like, maybe you're like, my abuser and I'm like looking forward to our interactions because you're like the only human connection I get. I am just fucking ripping. And I'm like, hey, I would really appreciate it if you didn't come, you know, so late. And he's like, it's 4.30 p.m. And I'm like, oh my God, it's 4.30 p.m. He's like, yeah, it's 4.30 p.m. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. It is 4.30 p.m. 
How can I be with myself? How can I self-soothe? How can I be my own best friend? How can I be my own confidant and really be there with myself? So first day, anxiety-ridden, super scared, super anxious, don't know why I'm here, freaking out pretty much, but finding ways to soothe myself in however I could and feeling super suffocated by the darkness. I will say that when you're in a place that is that dark, the darkness is suffocating. I was like, dark, get off me. It's like soothing in a way where you're like, yes, hold me consciousness. I am being held by the darkness and by the feminine and by consciousness and by creation itself. And then I'm like fucking suffocated by it. And I'm like, get away from me. Give me space. It was, you know, that dance the first day and it was so hard. You know, I really was like, I don't know if I'm here because I want to tell everyone listening to the podcast that I'm here. I don't know if I'm doing this to be more spiritual or what it is, but I'm like, oh, why am I here? You know, why am I here? And I had to really let myself be in that the first day and move into the second day, which was so much more peaceful. And my prayer the night before on the first day was, I want peace. And the second day was really beautiful because I was able to find it, you know, through meditation and through body work and through baths and through my serotonin soak from higher dose and um, some L-theanine, which I was able to give myself. I was able to feel peace. And I think that's the thing I'm most proud of through this whole experience is that I was able to float through the day in a really beautiful way where I'd have a lot of space between my thoughts and I'd have a lot of quiet and I'd really just be able to move and be so present with myself that I was able to find peace. So the second day, my goal to find peace was that. And I found myself so much more able to have my own realizations and have my own thoughts. And on the third day, I really had my biggest release and my most emotional day. And I think that really happens a lot of times because you're finally letting go of the pressure. You're finally really settling in and you can allow your body to relax and you're like, all right, it's time to go. So I had been releasing and crying and having you know, these experiences of rage and grief and sadness throughout the entirety of the experience. But the third day was just on another level. It was like, my soul was like, it's time. It's time. So I spent most of the day resting and most of the day crying and most of the day emoting and talking, you know, and that was another part where giving myself permission to say things where I was like, this is what I want to say to that person. This is what I'd want to say to myself. This is what I'd want to say to that being. This is what I want to say to God. This is what I want to say to my angels, whoever it is. I'm saying it, you know, I'm feeling it and I'm saying the truth and I'm allowing it to really free flow through me. So each of the days had their own medicine and each of the days had their own experience what I wanted to share about, you know, the learnings. This was what I captured when I got out. I was the first of me, Aaron, and Hannah to get out, which I'm so fucking grateful. Oh my gosh. I was going to ask Scott the night before. I'm like, hey, could you let me out first? <laughs> please, please let me out. And I didn't. I was like, Krista, just chill. You know, Hannah and Aaron had been in there a day longer than me. So I'm like, let them get out first, babe. You're, you're good. You can, you can be here. And it felt like, oh yes, I'd finally made it. And at that point, you're kind of like in it. You're like, oh, I got my morning routine. I'm going to do my cold plunge, which I would put cold water in a bath and do a cold plunge. It's like, I'm going to foam roll. I'm going to, you know, stretch and do my little thing. So you're almost like in it, you know, in this process at the end. So I'm like, oh, I hope that he lets me out first. But he did, which is the best. So I got to be present for Aaron and Hannah to come out as well. And I'd love to do a podcast with both of them to really, um, us three to talk about the process, you know, in community and in friendship. But my learnings from, 
you know, the retreat I shared on video with Scott, which I'll share with you all on social so you can see sort of me have the real raw experience of taking my blindfold off after being in the dark. And to be honest, I had this conversation with myself before I left the dark and I said, you know, there's the part of me that's like, I need to cry. (laughs) I need to perform. You know, there's such a performance side of me that's like, I know Scott is going to want me to cry and it's going to be more meaningful to him if I'm really emotional. So I need to cry. I mean, that is the level of care that I have for other people, not in a positive way where I'm like, I bypass my truth of how I feel. And I'm like, he's going to want me to cry. I think the people are going to be more engaged if I'm crying. And so before I had to be with myself and be like, yo, just let yourself be. So it was almost like when I left, it was almost awkward for me because I was so pulled back from performance. I didn't want to perform. I just wanted to say and feel. And I had to pull back so much on performance that I was kind of like off where I'm like, whoa, okay, Krista, be with yourself and be with your learnings. But part of the process of my share when I took off the goggles and was able to see light again, I mean, the light hurts when you have been pitch black for so long. It it really is painful. You know, you want to close your eyes actually because darkness has become comfortable for you. So there's almost this like kaleidoscope effect. There's this wild experience of so many colors and experiences and sensations. Everything looks so beautiful and bright and it's the most delicious, juicy, euphoric thing, you know, to see the world after being in the dark. I will say that the things that I learned, one of them that was the most profound for me was having this moment on day three of deep sadness where during this period of sadness, I thought, I am so scared right now because I feel so much sadness. I don't know if it's going to end I don't know if I'm always going to be here. I don't know if this is my new normal and I'm scared of this being my new reality. And I remember hearing from my soul, it's not that there's more sadness, there's more truth. And you're now having the experience where you are feeling the truth of it. And it's not you feeling more sadness, it's feeling the actual truth of how you feel. And that was so powerful for me because there's so much of that within my life where I deny my own truth because I'm scared it's ugly or it's sad or it's grief or it's this well of emotion and pain that I have within me, you know, that's just waiting to be felt. And so how in my life can I not be focused on whether the experience is good or bad, but more true? How can I find and give myself more opportunity for the truth of how I feel and not really neglect, not neglect the spectrum of emotions that I consider bad or consider inconvenient. And I think for most of us, we can really see that where we're like, oh, that is inconvenient for me to feel that and to experience that. And that's for me, what pain a lot of times was, was bottomless and inconvenient. So bringing more truth and allowing more of the truth was very important. I think another thing that was really profound for me, one of my second learnings was I had this experience where I was reflecting with Scott, you know, I have so many beautiful relationships in my life and I love so many people and I have such depth in so many relationships, but I also have the feeling and experience and through what I've been going through in the past year, I've really realized that a lot of my relationships are actually very fragile and a lot of them are actually not foundationally as solid as I thought, where when we're experiencing each other in fun and pleasure and play and you know, these beautiful experiences, it's all good. But 
when there's actually a time of need and a time of pain and a time of grief, which relationships are actually going to be there? And it's like that tried and true high school person where you're like, if you can't love me at my worst, you can't have me at my best. And it's like that sometimes. It be like that sometimes where I'm like, wow, who are the relationships that actually can meet me in my pain and meet me when I'm not bubbly or happy or performing or making it all about them? You know, who are the friends that are actually going to in action be there for me and like go beyond just us meeting in joy and pleasure? But as much as those people can meet me, can only happen if I can meet myself there. So who are the relationships or people or situations where I'm asking people to meet me in a way where I'm not meeting myself? And how am I avoiding meeting myself in my own pain and grief and sadness? And so others are too. So now my work is really to meet myself in those depths to allow my relationships to also meet me there too. And I think this is going to provide a restructuring of my relationships a reorganization of my relationships and a change in a lot of the way that I'm showing up with people and the way that people are showing up with me. And I've already realized in this work since I've been, you know, had this percolating for a while, how it's changed a lot of my relationships. I also realized in this time that it's a lot easier for me to feel sad for others than it is for myself. You know, again, I would have these experiences of emotions that were really in grief and sadness for others, how I impacted others, how I made them feel, how I let them down, how I was evolving or growing beyond them. And it was like, oh, I could feel so bad and so much shame. But when it came to loving and feeling grief for myself or my little girl, it was a a little bit harder. And so thinking about that in my life and really working with that emotion and that truth is something that I want to work with now. I also realized and thought about, which I mentioned before, how do I know that I'm doing things for the right reasons or how am I doing it for performance? You know, with social media, it's like such a fine line where you're like, I'm doing this for me and also my social media brand and community and TikTok. (laughs) How am I doing this for me and also to share to the world and talk about and like do a real love? So being in relationship with that part of me that, you know, at times can do things for others, for the spiritual ego, for the ego in general for the notoriety of it, for the story of it, whatever that is, and the balance, you know, because for me, there's both. Like there is my soul calling and soul truth of this. Like this is really intense for me to just do for others. You could do like, you know, an ice bath and be like, oh, it's fucking crazy. But like this is so psychologically challenging that it had to be me and my soul first. But there is that performance aspect that I think a lot of people and myself included need to be super mindful of. There was also anger and rage that came up without reasoning, which was super interesting. So the grief and sadness, I could oftentimes point back to the situation or person or trauma that caused it, but the anger and rage was actually really hard to place. I would find myself being moved to the bed or moved to the pillows or moved to whatever to scream and feel and emote. And I didn't really know why. You know, I could not feel or my brain wouldn't let me trace back to an emotion or experience, probably on purpose. Oftentimes we can really lose memory around trauma or pain on purpose. You know, our brain is really beautiful in that way. So I had these experiences of feeling these deep emotions and not really even knowing why, but I was grateful that they came out. Okay. I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. 
I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. I also had the realization that there's a part of me that thinks I need to be perfect to be loved. I think a lot of people can relate to that where you have this experience of, okay, I have to be kind and loving and open, compassionate, giving, smart, pretty, thin, beautiful, blah, blah, blah. I have to be all these things to be loved. And who is the person that's being loved if I'm doing the wrong thing? I'm saying the wrong thing. I'm feeling the wrong thing. I'm not being or showing up, underperforming, whatever that is, to think about me making mistakes is like hard for me to fathom. And it's weird because I'm so self-aware and I'm understanding that I have so much work to do. But also if you're like, hey, you, you know, you shouldn't have done that for things that are recent. I'm like, yo, what? I'm like, no, I did it wrong. I wasn't perfect. I wasn't trying my best, all of these things. And I have this such deep relationship with perfection and being loved. And I remember feeling such pain and grief recently in the past couple months. And I was sitting there um, really working on staying open-hearted in pain. And I was thinking, you don't need to be perfect to be loved. You just need to be yourself. And I'm so grateful that I had that connection with my soul at that moment and thought, wow, you're so right. With the right people and circumstances and situations, you don't need to be perfect. You just need to be yourself to be loved. And I'm really working with that idea right now. So the last thing that I learned that I really wanted to talk about was really working with the concept of 
healing the part of me that created them. And thinking about all the people in my life that have caused me pain and grief and sadness. And for me, that was working at the lightest. So who right now has been a person that's really hurting me or neglecting me or I'm feeling really removed from, slighted by? And how have I created them for my own healing? How are they a part of my healing? How can I look at the situation that's causing me pain as an opportunity for my healing and integration? And then moving to the deep stuff, moving to the really traumatic experiences that I've been through in my life and like, how have these people created healing for me? How am I ignoring the opportunity for healing? So working with every single person that has caused me pain in my life that I can remember or think about and thinking, how has this person hurting me? How can I heal the part of me that created them in my mind? How can I take radical responsibility for them and their role in my healing process? And you can think about that too on your own. You know, how have you created this person as an effort to support you in your deepest healing? And of the learnings, I think when I'm going through the process of those three days and the four nights and my coming out, I would say that the most beautiful part of the process, besides all these learnings and the feeling and the grief, was coming out to see Aaron and see Hannah. I just developed this deep love and connection to them because it was like trauma bonding in a way, you know, or it was like, you're just in this really intense situation and you have these people that are doing it with you and you're like, oh my God, I love them so much. I'm so proud of them. I'm so just, oh, I'm so there with them through their journey and coming out and seeing them and seeing people and hugging and being in their presence and energy and seeing their hearts. I mean, the tenderness that both of them had when they left their cabin and their tears was just next level. I mean, I was beside myself crying, just seeing their beauty and their process of gratitude and love and openness and expression. I cannot tell you how incredible it was. It was one of my favorite things. And then being able to talk about our process and journey and see the differences of it just felt so freeing. And for them to know what I had been through and what they had been through and have no shame and guilt about it or feel free to just express everything was the most liberating thing. And I'm so grateful for the healing of our journey together. I was able to then have another session with Adrian, who was the healer on site. And it was even more powerful than before. I was able to get up a lot more tears and movement of energy than I had at the beginning because I felt safe. So it felt like this beautiful culmination of the experience to come back to to community and conversation and love and touch and just, oh, all of it. And then to work with a healer to really seal in the deal and then to spend the night on the land and sleep really deeply in the room and just be out in nature was the most healing part of it all to see the stars was this just crazy, crazy experience. You know, a lot of the questions around it that I saw within my messages and DMs and um, process were around if I was scared. And yes, I was. I was so deeply scared. I was claustrophobic. I was afraid. I went through every emotion and, you know, I'm still here and I still did it. And I have so much gratitude. And I have to say, I felt so grateful for so many of you sending me love and prayers and wishes. I had so many people that, I was messaging with and I received messages from when I got back on my phone that were like, I was thinking of you and I was, you know, just praying for you and I was holding space for you. And I felt so grateful because in the dark, I had felt so alone. And I felt, you know, even having the question of, do I even know what love is? Do I actually know what it feels like to be loved? You know, do I actually understand 
what the feeling of being loved without condition is? Do I know what being loved without reason is? And I felt, you know, this presence of all of you and of the community and of the people in my life in a way that I haven't in a really long time. And I felt people checking in and holding space and just holding me in the highest. And I felt so healed from it. I felt so in awe of it. I think I got what I wanted, you know, in my intention. And I don't know if I'll do it again. I think Hannah and Aaron were such ballers. You know, they had such beautiful experiences that were more gratitude filled and more light than mine. And I know they wanted to do it again. You know, for me, I think I'm integrating psychologically what I'm working with. I don't know if I'd do it again, but I want to say that it's also something that I wouldn't recommend for many people. And the reason why is that you have to feel and be, I think, personally, there's parts of the journey where you can be overly spiritual and you're like, I have all the tools and you can use the tools to bypass. So there's the place and space where actually being someone who doesn't know all the spiritual things works, but then there's someone who has a spiritual relationship or journey. And then when you're in relationship with God or yourself and in meditation, it can be really so much easier to be with your thoughts. So for me, I personally felt like there has to be a level of awareness to be able to do something as psychologically challenging as that. But if it's something that calls to you, feel free to send me a message, ask me a question. If it's something that calls to you and makes sense, it's a really beautiful thing. But I would potentially start with really working with your emotions and experiences and being able to be alone with your thoughts for hours or being able to be in nature for a certain period of time process, you know, before you really dive in. A lot of people were comparing this and asking about the relationship between this and plant medicine and psychedelics. And I'm someone that has done, you know, multiple ayahuasca ceremonies and microdosed and done hero's journeys with psilocybin. And I really truly think that this was deeper than any of that for my experience. I definitely think it's a tool. So for some people, they might have different experiences with plant medicines and this, but this for me was the most human confronting and simple healing. So in the experience of psychedelics, you're having an altered state. So you're actually altering your state of consciousness and perception, which is really beautiful, but you're in reaction to the medicine. And this, again, is removing you from anything to be in reaction to, anything to be in conversation with. It's any entertainment. You know, a lot of times psilocybin or ayahuasca can be entertainment. Ketamine can be entertainment. You know, you have these visualizations. You're talking to aliens. You're, you know, going through this process, and it's very entertaining. It can really feed the ego. It can feed the spiritual ego in a lot of ways. And it can be prioritized as a more deep experience or spiritual experience than just being a human on earth. And that's what I really loved about the process was being a human on earth, being with myself and nothing else, no things in the way. And so I would say that for me, it was deeper than any plant medicines or altered substances journeys. It was more confronting than all of them. And it was definitely harder, you know, if I'm talking from the harder, easier perspective. That might not be everyone else's experiences, but I wanted to touch on that because I think that was a question that a lot of people had. And so I just want to thank you for being there with me through this process, being a support through this process. My wish for you is to be able to take some of the information that I shared. Maybe you're relating to it. Maybe I can be a mirror for you and sort of what I had been through and what I'm going through and what I'm processing. And my hope is that this gleans some information and insight that you can take, even if you're not doing a darkness retreat. I'm so grateful for you for being a support to me in this. It meant so much that you held me in your hearts. 
You can find me on Instagram. It's at it's Krista. It's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A, Krista. It's Krista on Instagram and you can connect with me there. I share a lot more about the retreat and you know all the other things that I'm doing. Almost 30 podcasts on Instagram to learn more, to check out our Instagram. We share hilarious memes and amazing reels. We're on TikTok, Almost 30 Podcast, almost30.com. You can check out our shop. We've updated so many amazing things in the shop. I'm so proud of it. You can get the life edit there now. It's all good. And then I will see you on the next one. Highly suggest listening to the one with Scott. It was really beautiful and powerful to get the full story. And I appreciate you being here with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.